Hello and welcome everyone to Eyes on the Mize. This is episode number 13. My name is John. I'm joined by Ian. What's up? How's it going everybody? Today it is May 25th and our title today is There Can Only Be One Hundred. Uh, because today we're going to be talking all about Canadian Highlander and to help us do that because I don't know much about it. And Ian, you I'm... probably know a little bit about it. Eh, kind of tiny little bit, but... We have our first guest. It's great. First guest. So let's go ahead and give a big warm welcome to Liam Coughlin. Sorry. Liam Coughlin. There we go. Nailed it. Yes. Thanks for having me on. No problem, Liam. I know that you're you're a big uh, proponent of Canadian Highlander and trying to spread it so that it's no longer Canadian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, ideally, North American first, then we take over the world. I mean, um, you got to start, you gotta start small. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like risk. Get get one continent first, and then build out from there. Well, and problematically, Australia's already occupied, which is my preferred risk strategy. So, <laughs> oh, same here. I mean, it, that's the that's the strategy to go with. You always go for Australia. That was my always strategy too in risk. Just take Australia. And unfortunately, there is an Australian Highlander, so we gotta we gotta start a land war there or something. It's not gonna go as well. It'll be Anyways, in Asia. Before we'll we get to the before we get into the main topic, let's turn our eyes to the community real quick because we have three big things that are hap- that happened over the weekend or happening this week. First off, the community is awesome because um, I'm 26, and we had a 13-year-old make it to the finals of GP Los Angeles playing Affinity, and he went 13-2 during the Swisses. He's 13. Man, I feel old. I saw a comment, which is that, like, he's, like, only slightly older than Arcbound Ravager. He's, like, six months older than Ravager. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) That he played in his deck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was probably one of the first and only times I'll actually root for Affinity. Yeah, Affinity is a hard deck to root for, but man, when you have a story like that, it's really hard to turn it down. I come, but I got to admit, uh, his opponent absolutely had some amazingly well-timed uh, Hercules recalls. Yeah. Yeah, Simon, just... uh, Simon Slusky, I believe is his name. I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but he did what every good Magic player should do. He played to win the game. He did say in his interview at the after the GP that he kind of felt like the villain, but big props to him. I'm not in that situation. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to it, it's hard to be in that situation, but man, good job for Ethan. And now there's a 13 year old who is qualified for the Pro Tour. Hell yeah! So our next specifically part, for Sydney, but yeah. go ahead, Ian. Our, our next part is the community can be awful. What am I saying about that? Well, it's great sometimes, but then when people start being thieves it sucks so this past weekend we had modern weekend basically we had a gp in uh columbus, not columbus that's the next one uh charlotte and one in la at charlotte winona nelson an amazing magic artist who is a guest there had her artist proof binder stolen this was the only product she brought with her to sell and the whole, the whole point of like going there, like making money was to do sell artist proofs and, you know, signatures and altars and stuff like that. So a large percentage of what she was actually going to make was gone. And then out in Los Angeles, broadcaster Marshall Sutcliffe had his camera, his like nice Canon, Nikon, whatever, like a DSLR stolen from the actual booth area that they have set up there. Now, uh, Canon Fireball does their kind of open booth where they have like a, platform stage and um, so somebody actually stole it like off the stage That's and very bold we've also had somebody steal a massive collection at gp new york then we had somebody get caught at gp toronto stealing tens of thousands of dollars worth of cards from dealers who was acting shady enough and enough dealers were like what the heck's going on here there's been a rash of thieves in the magic community we really need to more than ever now look out for each other and make sure that if somebody's acting shady say something or watch their actions because we can only like the event organizers can only go so far with providing security for us and stuff like that. We have to watch out for each other and make sure that people who are being crappy towards each other get stopped. Yeah. I don't think I said it any better myself, Ian, uh, for those of you who might not be familiar with, with Winona Nelson's work, uh, she is the artist of some cards like Yosova dragon claw voice of resurgence, Chandra pyromaster Air of the Wilds, uh, Courser of Crufix, uh, Painful Truths, and a bunch of other very popular cards. Heck, she was even the uh, artist for Enthralling Victor. Mr. 20 Abs. <laughs> Go ahead, Liam. What was that? She also did uh, Arlen Cord. Yes, she also did Arlen Cord. 
one of the oh. movies. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah. yeah. So Winona's done a lot of great work. We really we feel we really feel for Winona. We really feel for Marshall, and we don't want people to do stuff like that. So Keep just follow out. Wheaton's law, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Yeah. So now. The other big thing that's been happening this week is we have started spoilers for Eternal Masters, and it is really, really cool. <laughs> uh, in our in our conversations before this, we were actually trying to figure out how many points. We'll get to what the points mean in a bit a minute for that are going to be in Eternal Masters, and I think the points number is up to like ten at least. Yeah, and I set the over under at twelve and took the under, so I'm I'm probably <laughs> them. We'll see. He's I'll sweating. Be, there's two more point. There's two more days of spoilers, Liam. You could still get the under. But real two more days of spoilers? Oh, I'm doomed. <laughs> so real quick, let's go ahead and talk about our favorite cards spoiled from Eternal Masters. Liam, I'll let you start since you are our guest. Oh, thank you. Uh, so my favorite card uh, spoiled is definitely Mystical Tutor. I really like the card anyway. And the new art is just so insane. It's like really, really awesome. So, I really like the so trend with the tutors of having it be kind of just a person's hand reaching out for something. Right, right. Yeah. No, what's really cool about this is I actually follow some people on Twitter who are huge in the magic art game. Apparently, the artist for this is a, like, they paint. This wasn't digital. A traditional piece? This is a traditional piece, apparently. So oh, Liam, if you, want, if you want that original art, Liam, it, it is probably up for grabs somewhere. <laughs> like, I won't lie, Liam, the Mystical Tutor art for this one, like, the last one we had was way back in, like, 6th edition and Mirage. Yeah, this made, this artwork is insane, and I love it. Yeah, jeez, I'm just like I'm looking closely, more closely at the art now. Now that you've said that, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Ian, what so, is your what are your favorite card or cards from the set? For, for me, it's cards because the, these two go together. It's Hydroblast and Pyroblast. I know it's kind of like there's so many big splashier things, but I have to say I've been getting big into Pauper lately, and let's put like. From the financial side of things, Hydroblast and Pyroblast are pretty expensive online. Plus, it's got new art, and we're going to get foils, finally, of these cards. And I am going to foil the hell out of my Pauper deck. I don't even care. <laughs> I mean, it's not even that more expensive, really, to foil no. out of the Pauper deck. It's like, oh my god, I'm paying $2 for a card instead of $0.50. Cents. Woo! Yeah. But no, these new Pyro Hy Pyroblast and Hydroblast look great. And it has the new templating yes, for the has... Choose One. Yes, uh, also, I love that the art is mirrored, and it's the same artist. Oh, yeah. And and the uh, flavor text on both are almost like flip-flop of each other. Yeah. Like, Hydroblast says, fire can be savage, but it is fickle. Water is always true. It's flow steady and world-shaping. And then Pyroblast says, water can be crushing, but it is predictable. Fire is always dynamic. It's rage absolute and all-consuming. Oh, yeah. It's like the great point-counterpoint, and I just love it. Yeah. For me, uh, it's probably Sneak Attack. It was one of the first cards uh, spoiled from the set by Mark Rosewater on Monday. And I'm really excited to get a copy so that I can put it in my cube so that I can then be able to have the joy of sneak attacking in a Grizzle brand or something like that. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this was actually the second time we've seen this art. Yes, the first art was on a Judge promo. <laughs> yes. So this will be nice to get a regular non-foil copy of this art. Yeah. A great thing about all of this is that we can get some arts that are only have been only seen like on Magic Online or in Judge Foils uh, in regular circulation. Like, for example, the new Vindicate art is from the old Judge promo with Soren snapping his fingers and a guy disintegrating. The Hem to Turok art is going to be the same art that was on um, in the From the Vault series. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. And, and we've got – I know some people on my – like Aaron uh, Campbell from Girlfriend Bracken, all her other podcasts that she does, was saying she actually – got rid of her Graveborn Cabal therapies because the foils stood out from the rest of her deck, and now she can get actual regular copies of the, that Graveborn art, which is, yeah. I think, great. That they're looking, They were looking for the cards that have art. And people are saying, like, this is essentially cube slash ju judge foil promo the set. Yeah. yeah. That's also ignoring um, all the other sick art that's going on in the set. Like, Wirewood Symbiote has great art. Well, Control Magic has good art. <laughs> what was that? Oh, that's my second favorite is the new symbiote art. I think yeah. it's just like so cool. It is very, very clear what's going on in that picture as opposed to the old. Yeah, exactly. That's why I like it. Yeah. Also, <laughs> can we just say that Therese Nielsen is best and just call it a day? Uh, Raymond Swanland says what up. <laughs> okay, you're right. Raymond Swanland does some good stuff too. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and then dive right on into our main topic. And our main topic today is all about Highlander, specifically the Canadian variety. So Liam... Can you give us a quick summary of what is Highlander? 
Yeah, absolutely. So Canadian Highlander is a 100-card, 1v1 competitive format. Um, so there's there's no other rules other than the deck construction rules, right? You're just playing a game of magic, except that your deck has to be 100 cards, has to be singleton. Um, and then we have some specific rules that govern what can be in your deck. Um, and we'll talk about them in, in just a second. Maybe right now. If you want to just, talk, just go straight well, and talk about the when, when you say singleton, you don't just mean like strictly one copy. Like, I can write any number of forests that I want or any number right. of mountains. So you can play any number of basic lands or snow-covered basic lands. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's, it's everything you can only play one of. I mean, the, so, and so, there are the two so creatures, for, just real quick, uh, Relentless Rats and Shadowborn Apostle. Do they do they have to fit the, the rules as well, or can I run any number of them? I am you know I don't really know, but I feel as though people have played Relentless Rats decks before, so I think that we probably <laughs> allow those. Okay, and when I feel that's happened. I know that's happened. It didn't do very well. I, I would not <laughs> expect either of those decks to be very good. No, but I just I just love the idea that somebody could put like forty five swamps, forty five Relentless Rats, and a Thrumming Stone in there somewhere and say, yeah. "Here we go, let's have fun." You know what the problem is that deck's not budget. That's true. That deck is not budget. 125 bucks. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Other than uh, a couple of a couple of exceptions, you're only playing one of a card. Other than basic lands, and yeah, the the few exception to you can play any number of these cards in your deck cards. Yeah, uh, you can you can do that too in in Canadian Highlander. And, um, and you said that there are some cards that we can we can't necessarily put into our into our deck. Is there a band list or something? So there is. Uh, there, we use the vintage band list, so there's no dexterity cards uh, or anything like that. But then beyond that, uh, there is no band list, and instead we use a points list. Um, and so what that means is that we want people to be able to play with any card that they want to play with. You know, if you really like Black Lotus for some reason, we want you to be able to play with that card. However, we want to make sure that you're not playing Black Lotus and Time Vault and Demonic Tutor, et cetera, et cetera. So you don't um, so, want it to be just like a hundred card vintage, is what, well, is right. what I'm hearing. Right, and that's not what it is. We the the points list is in place to sort of um, a mitigate the power level of the format and not and and try to make it so it doesn't sort of tend towards one deck because I think that it would if we just had a band a band list. Yeah, um, probably oh, some artifact type deck, right? Right, exactly. And in fact, we Canadian Highlander very early on in its existence didn't have a band list or a points list, and basically everyone played like five color five color Tinker Academy uh, was like the only deck that was really playable. Um, you could like sort of play Storm, but those were the, sort of the two decks. The points list does a really interesting thing, which is that since we restrict the choices you have to make, um, it it actually adds a lot of diversity to deck building because it's amazing the difference between uh, like a creature-based blue deck that's playing Ancestral Recall and how you build that deck, and a creature-based blue deck that's playing Time Walk. Um, and you would think that, you know, changing out one powerful card for another one, all right, you know, it's still powerful with cards that recur it, but you actually make a lot of choices when you put those different cards in your deck that change the way in which uh, you're actually building the whole deck, which is really interesting. All right, so real quick, uh, some of the what are some of the high-pointed cards that really restrict you on your power cards? Yeah, so highest highest pointed card is Time Vault. Uh, you that one is seven, I believe. Yeah, the list it is seven. Yeah, Black Lotus is six, um, I believe. There's there's been a slight movement recently to move it down to five, but that's not going to happen. It's <laughs> um, there are some of the very powerful tutor straight onto the battlefield cards like Tinker and Natural Order are both quite high. Tinker is five points. Natural Order also five points. Yep. Um, and then uh, Ancestral Recalls five points, Hermit Druids five points, and then uh, the only other one, and this one will look a little odd um, in comparison to all those other cards that I've listed, but actually Flash and the card Protean Hulk are six points and four points, respectively. Good old, um, so good old Flash Hulk. Yeah, if you want to play Flash Hulk, you can only play Flash Hulk. You can't play any other pointed cards in your deck. Uh, and there's actually Highlanders full of stories, and this story is a really good one. Uh, neither of these cards were on the points list like three years ago. And then uh, there's a player in Victoria who's very good, whose name is Josh Lane, who started to play, like realized and, and was saying to people, like, this combo is insane, even in 100 cards. Like, we should point these cards. And no one believed him at first. 
So he won like six tournaments or something. And every time they kept like, all right, maybe we should try and alter these points somehow. And eventually they just ended up soft banning the deck until they could sort out <laughs> how to point. <laughs> It's just one so much in Flashpoint. That, that is the real way you get Magic players to listen, is this deck is busted. No, it's not. I've won six tournaments now. Okay, fine. <laughs> Let me beat you with it repeatedly. So so now it's in a reasonable place. You can still play it. I played it at a tournament last year where my opponent, like, Vendillion clicked me, and I just naturally had the combo in my hand on turn two. So he died on his on my end step for casting Vendillion click, and it was like, <laughs> all right. There's probably a reason why you can't tutor for any of the other parts to this deck. <laughs> Good lord. I, yeah. would love to, I would love to see what all... The, well, no, I already know what the loops are, because you, you it's actually a modern deck, kind of. It's not yeah. Flash Hulk, but it's a, it's a variation of it. Yeah, footsteps of the Goryeo-Hulk combo. Yeah, you grab Hulk, yeah. uh, Revel Arc, Body Double, and a bunch of other things. I know there are, there's them. a deck tech out there from GP Pittsburgh that I believe Zach Elsek did yeah. Yeah. on Flash Hulk. So there's, if you Google it, there's definitely uh, some, yeah. you know. There's, there's lots of information about it because, I mean, like it used to get played in Legacy before it got banned as well. Um, the combo in Highlander is a little different, actually, because you can't play two body doubles. Oh, uh, and that is true. You need body double. So uh, you can, it still works fine. But you have to play a card called Body Snatcher as well, which is an old card from, uh, I think, one of the Urza sets. But I'm not, don't quote me on that. But you have to play that card as a way to help recur things. And it, it gets a little more complicated. I think most uh, combos tend to get a little bit more complicated when you get into the singleton territory. Yeah, yeah. But that's part of what makes it fun. So Something as crazy as Storm becomes like, okay, I'm playing singleton Storm. This should be interesting. Yeah. It's just Storming yeah. Cube. It's fine. Yeah, uh, Storm's actually maybe the best deck in the format. Some people would argue. Mm, that's and you know how everyone has their pet deck. Everybody does have their pet deck. Uh, yeah. So let's go ahead and go into a few questions so that we can um, get these get some questions in before we get into some maybe some deck techs. So yeah. the big one that we've that we've asked and I've asked myself before is: Are there any tips for starting a Highlander community? And kind of as a corollary to that. With Eternal Masters coming out, is this a good kind of starting point for maybe saying, hey, here's this cool format we could play? Uh, so the short answer is to the second question is, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that right now with Eternal Masters coming out, you're going to have a higher number of people who go to that draft and all of a sudden own a Force of Will or own a Jace. Um, and so all of a sudden one of those big cards that previously had been a barrier to getting into mm -hmm. any kind of older format well, now they have one, you know, now they have a place to start. Um, and Highlander is great from that perspective because you can really build pretty cheap decks that you put together and then you add on to slowly. So you can build the initial deck for a lower cost and then, you know, you can get your Force of Will, you can get your Jace or, or whatever. Every couple of months you can add pieces to it. And I think the nice thing about Eternal Masters is that it's going to give people a couple of these pieces right off the bat. And so it's maybe an easier way to start. Um, in terms of actually starting a community, I don't live in Victoria anymore. I live in Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia, which is like uh, on the exact opposite coast for you Americans who don't know Canadian geography very well. Um, so, so Victoria, yeah, Victoria is in British Columbia. It's basically out near Seattle. Yeah, and it's a, it's basically the westernmost point of like main, of Canada. Uh, Halifax, other than Newfoundland, is about as east as you go. Um, so what I've done here. And it's not easy, but I, I went from being like a person who played Highlander twice a week. I was on the council. It was like the only magic format I was playing, basically, to not having anyone to play with at all when I moved back out here. Um, so what I did is I just built two decks that I take with me anytime I go to the local game store. Um, and obviously, I have the luxury of doing this because I have a Highlander collection. But if you don't, um, proxy two decks or you know partially proxy two decks. Um, and you want to try and build two decks that are going to have interesting games that are going to have kind of push and pull. Um, so for me, I built a blue-red control deck uh, and a Jund aggro deck um, to play against each other, and, and people can pick either side that they want. Um, and so by doing that, I've gotten like a couple people to the point where they, they've sort of said, yeah, I would put a deck together if people had a tournament or uh, whatnot. And so we've got about four or five people at Halifax now. Um, and I've only been here for like six months, so it's like, you know, a reasonable start. I know in Milwaukee, um, 
a similar thing happened. There was one guy who took a particular interest in the format and just kind of like kept talking about it with his friends and, and bringing decks around. And he actually bought a Lotus like yesterday, like a, oh, wow. a collective edition Black Lotus. I uh, saw that. Yeah. Um, so like they're really poised to sort of take off. And what I would say, uh, there's also a couple people who play in Ohio I know. Um, I've helped connect some people there who lived who lived in Ohio. Um, the most important thing is to, if you happen across Highlander from watching my stream, looking at the YouTube videos, Marshall Sutcliffe told you about it, um, you know, you hear about it on this podcast, um, and you think it sounds really cool, really, really try not to get discouraged. And it can be discouraging because Magic players are so hard to convince that new things are are something they actually might like. You know, we we as a community are well known for our not liking change. I think is <laughs> a reasonable thing to say. Yeah, uh, hey, we got we got we got to have something to complain about, right? Exactly. Um, but if you're diligent, you know, if you're someone who has that that magic friend who's kind of like down to try anything once, you know, try and get them to try the format, see if they like it. You'll find someone eventually. It's a format no. that hooks people. It's fun. It's really exciting. It produces good, interesting games of Magic that are different from most other formats you're going to play. Now, so, speak, so speaking of like other formats and stuff like that, but like starting it, would if you have like say a big EDH or Commander community around you, is that kind of a good place to kind of you know Trojan horse yourself in there on? Yeah, it's not a bad spot, especially if you have an EDH community where it's maybe a little divided, where some people are playing uh, to win. <laughs> The straight busted decks, and then the right. people who play the seventy-five percent decks. Right, and so you can tell those people who are playing the straight busted decks, like, "Hey, come try this format where the goal is exclusively kill each other on turn four. Or, you know, not necessarily always do that, but you know, you'll be applauded if you build a deck that consistently kills people on turn four. Whereas in the EDH community, maybe that's not something that uh, every playgroup's going to like. Every Highlander playgroup is going to think man, sweet, you built a deck that's like very fast and efficient and does what it wants to do. Um, so it's that's not a bad place to start. I've also found that um, if you have a community of modern or legacy players nearby, um, there are often people who are willing to play, uh, or willing to try new things or, or like kind of playing more uh, busted magic, so to speak. Um, and they often have more of a collection to get into the format as well, which helps. Right. Uh, so those those are EDH groups and like people who play eternal or non-rotating formats. I think are the two best places to start if you're looking for people to play with. Um, but honestly, I mean, if you have if you have some decks built, um, you know, just play with anyone who will, who will play with you. You know, it's not even a bad format to teach people how to play Magic with. There yeah, are with people in Victoria who only play Highlander. It's the only format. Oh, they play. oh yeah, I know. Like people like the loading ready run guys, like uh, Alex and Cam. And Surge, those guys are all huge into it. But so you're saying like collections and stuff like that. Now, getting a big collection might be hard for some. I know you mentioned just recently, like the uh, was it Collector's Edition Lotus or whatever, right? Yeah. So that's not technically tournament legal for something like Legacy or Vintage, but is that allowed? Yeah, Obviously, we, we let people use it. Um, we don't have an issue with it. Basically, uh, in in our communities, we think it's fine. Um, if you're store is sanctioning an event um it's like sort of a gray area where you should sanction it as a casual event and like basically not talk about it um too much um it's it's a bit it's a bit funky there there was that drama a couple months back about proxies um and people you know people were coming to us a lot being like how does this affect you how does this affect you and i mean our our attitude has basically been you know we are playing with product that wizards of the coast produced uh our money is, it, like, you know, in some stream has gone back to Wizards of the Coast. You know, we're not trying to cheat them of anything. Um, and so we're going to play the format we like. And, you know, we're not going to try and, you know, tell people that they should be doing this at Grand Prix or whatever or, or uh, anything like that. Like, you can't sanction an official Highlander event with proxies or anything, and, and nor should you try. But to play with your friends and, and to play kind of like local tournaments, it's totally fine, right? If you're just going to organize a tournament yourself. Oh, yeah. Like, for instance, I know I'm building one myself. We'll talk about that a little bit later today. But I was looking. I need a Wasteland. A reg, I mean, even though it's coming out in EMA, which is great. Originally, Wasteland was like $70 for a decent copy. You could get a really beat up one for 50 or 60 But if I went and got a gold-bordered one, it's $5. Yeah. 
Yep, that's how much I paid for mine. <laughs> so, I mean, you get these gold-bordered cards, and it's a great way to get in at a more budget. And like you said, you can work your way into the actual copy of the card. Yeah, it's like, really like the duels from back in the day, you can yeah, go get the collector's those, edition ones. Yeah, I, I got a collector's edition underground C for $100, where like, you know, regular underground C is like 300 or like 350 now. They're, they're, they're really high. Um, yes. And... I think that one thing that's really great about the collector's edition cards, uh, the dual ends are good, but even like even spending a hundred bucks on a dual end is like a big ask for people. But there's cards like you know a force of will, even though it's been reprinted as like 40, 50, 60 bucks. I'm I'm not exactly sure where it's sitting right now, but it's a lot of money. But gold border force of will is like ten to fifteen, and that's a big jump for people, right? Like you're talking about the difference between not going out for fast food once or twice a month versus not eating a meal for a week, <laughs> you know, skipping breakfast for a week or something. It's like, it's a big difference. Um, yeah. And I think it's a great way to help with that barrier to entry, especially if you're introducing, be like, well, what, how am I going to get this? Like, just get a gold border card. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, uh, we allow people to play with power and most people are playing with collector's edition power. You know, there are some people who aren't, um, you know, the people who are really sort of diehard magic fans who acquired quite a large collection. But most people who are playing with power are, are playing with collector's edition power, and, and we think that that's a good thing for the format, sort of generally. Gotcha. That people are allowed to do that. So one thing that I know that I like to do is I, I play a lot of commander because that's what a lot, the, bi the big casual um, deck building in my area is. And I always like looking at decks that I have from like a 60 to from 60 card formats like Standard or Modern Legacy and try to think about how am I going to play these in Commander where I have where I have a where I have a hundred cards that I only have one of each copy. Are there easy ways to take a sixty card deck and make it into a Highlander deck? Yeah, um, it's doable. Like obviously you're 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 always going to be able to keep the spirit of the deck. So let's say you really liked playing a Tarka Red in Standard. Uh, I don't know why you would like doing that. It doesn't have any blue cards in it. Not really my speed. But let's <laughs> say you really liked playing a Tarka Red. Well. It's very doable for you to say, okay, what did I like about a Tarka Red? I liked that I played aggressive creatures, that I went wide, and that with these Atarka's commands and this Become Immense Team or Battle Rage combo, I was always able to kind of like threaten lethal damage from nowhere. Well, okay, how do we take that deck and turn it into a Highlander deck? Well, first step, we're probably just going to keep the same colors. We're going to be green and we're going to be red. So firstly, there's a lot of functional reprints, right? You were playing Dragon Fodder in your standard deck. Well... Turns out there are actually two Dragon Fodders. There's Cranko's Command and Dragon Fodder, so you can play both of those, play basically any of the cards that you're playing in the standard deck that you like. But now let's look at other cards that you know you can't play in your standard deck that maybe would fit this kind of strategy very well. Um, I'm going to assume that sort of money is no object, but obviously if it is, you could do different things. But you know, you really like Teamer Battle Rage. Well, how about Berserk? Like that also fits into that strategy very well. There's also a card called Fatal Frenzy from Time Spiral, I believe, which is a three mana Berserk. Um, you know, you can play other kinds of four four uh, power giant growth spells like you might see in Modern Infect. Um, and all of a sudden, what you find is that this deck starts coming together. You know, yeah. when you just find cards that are functionally very similar to the standard deck that you were playing, well, all of a sudden you're already up to 40 or 50 cards. And then it's just a matter of filling the deck out with some good cards, right? So yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know what Berserk is, it's from oh sorry you know, the Alpha Beta. No, no, it's fine. It's from the Alpha Beta Unlimited. It had a from the Vault reprint. People are hoping it's going to hit Eternal Masters. We don't know yet, but it's a like it's probably one of the best green pump spells ever printed. It's a green mana for an instant. Uh, Oracle Tech says cast Berserk only before the combat damage step. So this is after blockers have been assigned, right before that damage step. Target creature gains trample and plus X plus zero until end of turn where X is its power. At the end of the at the beginning of the next end step, destroy that creature if it attacked this turn. So what that says is you get a couple pump spells on there. Say you get a become immense or something on there. Like this sees a lot of play in like legacy uh, infect because yeah. you keep, like you're like okay cool I've already got this six damage on my creature from my uh, become immense. Now it becomes a like. That six damage or that plus six off of become immense becomes plus twelve. Yeah, I will say and, for for the eternal master speculation, I believe berserk is on the reserved list. Uh, it can't be if I reprinted it from the vault, can it? Uh, from the vault, it was, used it's, to be a it was, loophole. It was uh, a rare. It was a rarity uncommon. Oh, was it uncommon? 
Yeah. yeah. Never mind then. I, I was wrong then. It, That's fine. It hit rare in Vintage Masters. Okay. Anyways. But no, it's it. The, the, so like back to what Liam's saying, there are ways to port that stuff. So back sounds out. like the the biggest challenge is when you go from a standard or a modern or a legacy or even a vintage where you have all these four of copies. Like I can't imagine playing Storm without four Gitaxian probes. You seem to be wanting to look for a lot of cards that do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, cards that do have similar effects are are often useful, though not always necessary, right? I mean, not every deck is looking to play uh, 20 cantrips or whatever in order to make its engine work. Um, or three but, different versions of Shock. Right, exactly. I mean, some decks are looking to do that. But, but in a lot of cases, you really are playing a lot of different unique spells. Um, but, for instance, like your average control deck just like needs a kind of uh, uh, a, ma- a critical mass of counterspells. Like you probably need about ten, maybe twelve, and you can find that pretty easily. Um, the real, the only issue that I will say, is when you're porting one deck to the other, or from your, when you're porting a deck from, say, Modern Legacy Standard into Highlander, is those decks that have that one build around me card um, that can some those can sometimes pose bigger problems. So, for instance. Playing a Splinter Twin deck um, in Highlander is challenging. You can't be all in on the Splinter Twin combo because it's only two cards in your 100 and you want to have backup plans. So obviously you're going to play like Pestermite Deceiver Exarch, the two Splinter Twinable creatures, and you're going to play Splinter Twin and Kiki-Jiki. They have the, the same effect of copying the creature so that it can then be untapped by itself. The new copy will untap the old one. Uh, and you can continue to do this over and over again to make an Zel- infinite number of Deceiver Exarchs or Pester Knights. And get Zealous Conscripts, Village Bellringer, the right. analogs, analogs to your Deceiver Exarch and Pester Knight. Right. Captain of the Mists is another uh, another. Oh, spl- that is, isn't it? And, and these, and these, by the way, people at home, these are the ones that when it enters the battlefield, you can tap or untap. Uh, right. create, have the tap or untap, so it'll let you to go on your infinite combo with copying creatures i mean we're right. kind of already kind of outlining kind of a jeskai twin deck right now because then you can go into idyllic tutor to find your splinter twin you can talk about imperial imperial recruiter to find either your target or your kiki jiki resto okay. angel absolutely restoration angel is really good in that deck um i've played this deck actually on stream a bunch of times i, I play on magic online and we'll talk about that community a little bit later um but one one thing i was going to say is that so you start building all those components into your deck um, but you want to have a backup plan. And one great backup plan that works really well with creatures that untap or tap permanence is Time Vault. Um, Time Vault, you combine it with basically any of these other creatures that you put in your deck to combo with Splinter Twin or Kiki Jiki. Uh, it's a time walk with many of them. And actually, with a card like Captain of the Mist, it is just an infinite combo. You just you just take an infinite turns and, and kill them. <laughs> so so you, uh. you can other redundant pieces into your deck real quick time vault is a two-minute artifact that nerves the battlefield tapped you can untap it if you skip your turn and you can tap it to take an extra turn clearly liam doesn't want to waste an extra turn so he's having his blue creatures untap it for him so it's funny you should say that because in this sort of jeskai time vault deck that i was playing i was playing ruhan the Fermori, the seven seven that attacks a random player every turn for four mana okay um which, which in a dual format is quite good because it just always attacks your opponent for seven. Yeah. Um, the theory being that you wanted an alternative way to pressure your opponent if your combos weren't working. And I, my opponent was playing quite an aggressive deck. Um, and I had Time Vault in play. And I had Ruhan in play. But he was summoning sick. So he couldn't attack that turn. So somehow I decided that the best line was to skip my turn with Time Vault to untap it so that I could have Ruhan as a blocker for an extra turn. <laughs> that's pretty clever. Yeah, I won that game. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, so that's part of the reason why we love Highlander so much, right? Is that these are the kind of stories that you get to tell. Like, there are no other formats where you get to talk about naturally untapping your time vault so that your, like, commander staple card could block for another turn. You know, these are cards that don't get to interact otherwise. So speaking of turns, how fast does Highlander tend to be? Like, how do these games play out? Like, Modern's a turn four format. Legacy is called a turn three format. How long do your Highlander games generally take? And this is a hard question to answer, actually, because it varies wildly. Um, There are decks that can kill you on turn one. It happens, like, 
you know, 1% of the time and probably less. But, like, Storm can kill you on turn one. You're so, like, so, you're, so you're basically talking of, like, the, the the vintage percentage of everyone's like, oh, vintage kill on turn one. It's like, it rarely yeah. ever happens, though. Yeah, I mean, it's actually even lower than the vintage percentage, I think. It's it's very, very low. I would say that if you're, you're talking about a combo deck against an aggressive deck, so two relatively linear strategies that are just attacking each other's life totals, those games go about four turns. Um, if you're talking about the control decks in the format, though, the control decks and the mid-range decks are powerful enough that, you know, oftentimes you'll see those games go 25, 30 turns. So it's actually interesting. I actually think the that the, the speed of the format is most analogous to standard, which is weird to say because it's an eternal format where you're playing with power. But standard is the only format that I can think of where, you know, occasionally you die on turn four to mono white, uh, like the humans deck, or yeah. if you're playing green, black, the greater Aurora, Sam Black's deck against like someone else on some big mid-range deck like Grixis Control or something like that. Well, those games go 15, 20 turns. Um, and that's kind of what Highlanders like as well. We've had, or sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, you go. Just finish. Well, I was going to say, we've had games that end without someone winning. You know, a draw at 0 0 0 between two control decks because they just don't have enough win conditions. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you just mentioned 0 0 0. So is this a one game and done? Or are we talking best of three, like usual kind of thing? And so are there sideboards? Yeah, so we play best of three, and there are no sideboards, which also means the wish cards don't work. I actually had this question on Twitter a couple days ago. Um, so, unfortunately, we've tried it before. We tried playing Highlander with a 10-card wish board, um, and then we pointed the wishes. Um, so the wishes are, it's a five-card cycle where you could cast what's called a, a wish, so Cunning Wish, Burning Wish, um, Golden Wish. Uh, Glittering Wish is the multicolored one, yeah. Um uh, glittering Wish, uh, Living Wish, and then, goodness, what's the black one called? Uh, anyway, and what they would do is they would let you tutor from your sideboard for a specific type of card. So the White Wish lets you tutor for an artifact or an enchantment. The Blue Wish lets you tutor for an instant. Um, and what we just found was that having Wish boards was a little clunky, and uh, we just decided that it wasn't really worth it, that it was just easier to uh, not have Wishes work. And you can put them in your deck if you want to build storm count, I guess. But they don't they don't do anything else besides that. Yeah, so uh, so so we're just looking at you're playing your hundred cards, three games, go have fun. Yeah. Fifty-five minutes. Okay. Uh, I've so, actually I've I have played one uh Monday night Highlander up in Victoria and played goblins. Your deck was too many points, wasn't it? No, no, no. This was the this, this somebody at the store had the deck. Let me borrow it. I was hanging yeah, out with Serge all day. He's like, hey, come to Highlander. I was falling asleep. <laughs> I, I had just come off of doing Desert Bus. So I was, I had to actually stand up and play because if I sat down, I was falling asleep. Yeah, I actually remember this. I, I was there that night. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, oh, the funniest part was this. So this Goblin deck was actually playing the Goblin, the recruit, like the recruiter combo and all that stuff where you can like tutor up specific sets. Oh, no. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah, it was playing like the Goblin Recruiter, you know, the Goblin Matron, all that little like little four or five card combo. Yeah. Nobody told me about that combo. Yeah. I didn't know it existed. And I <laughs> apparently game one, round one, had it in my hand naturally and didn't know. Like, <laughs> my opponent sees me play it and he's like, oh God, here comes the Goblin combo. And just sees me dig out like 30 cards of the deck and stock the top of the deck. And he's like, okay, I'm yeah, go. Not <laughs> like i don't know what just happened i'm like i've never played this deck before i'm tired and then and then serge comes over was like you know you can do this this and this with it i'm like i had that in my hand he's like oh sorry <laughs> oh lord yeah so, so liam you mentioned playing on magic online now highlander is not a official magic online format so how yeah. do you tend to play highlander on magic online so we play in the vintage room typically uh, or you or you make a vintage game um, because that way you keep the vintage band list, which is good. And you just build your Highlander deck, your 100-card Highlander deck, and, and challenge people. Um, we have a chat room on Magic Online. If you join, um, it's like hashtag can Highlander. When you log in, you kind of have the option in, in chat to join chat channels. And if you join that chat channel, uh, theoretically, there should be people there. Um, I know recently it's dropped off a little bit. Uh, partly because I've actually like not been able to stream. My regular streaming computer broke, so I've been uh, I've been 
taken away from my streaming setup, which is unfortunate. Um, but at, certainly uh, there are, are a fair number of people on Magic Online with Highlander decks who want to play Highlander with you. So, um, you know, my, my advice is join that chat group, tweet at me. Um, you'll, you'll get my social media at the end. And if you tweet at me saying, I'm looking to play Canadian Highlander on Magic Online, I'll retweet you. You know, uh, all the people who, and, and maybe, you know, you'll pick someone up that way. Um, but that, that's the, the Moto community exists. It's probably about 20 players strong. Um, additionally, many of the people who play on Moto are actually kind of like big Magic personalities. Uh, Marshall Sutcliffe plays on, on Magic Online quite a lot. Uh, Randy Bueller plays on Magic Online quite a lot. I've played against Chris Bakula before uh, for fun. Yeah, we, we played once, which was a good time. Um, so, like, there, you know, there are people that uh, that want to play, you know, if, if you if you are willing to, if you have the collection on Magic Online already um, and, you, and you put a deck together, you will be able to find some people to play with. So one more question before we get to the deck techs. Um, one question that I saw people that I saw one person ask was they wanted to know like where does Highlander fit on the casual to competitive spectrum? Like, does it have to be kind of the cutthroat, you know, sixteen man tournaments winner gets a prize or whatever? Excuse me, or can it be more of a casual laid back scenario where you and five buddies can just play around for a few day for like a few hours against one another? Yeah, it's definitely both. Um, you know, it is. I, I have spent countless nights at people's houses, you know, uh, playing Highlander and, and you know, um, eating food, that kind of thing. Like, that's something that we do. We really like the format and just want to play for fun. Um, simultaneously, you know, there are competitive tournaments. Um, but the nice thing about Highlander is that it can kind of be as competitive as you want to make it. And it can also be as casual as you want to make it. Um, that really is, is up to you and what your community wants um, for... For Victoria, you know, the community for the most part wants to play reasonably competitively. But that being said, um, you don't have to play that way. You know, like if you just want to get some friends together, have have some Highlander decks, and just play for bragging rights or just play for for the love of the game, like that's okay and that's going to work. Um, the games are interesting and fun enough um, that I think that it it really is up to you. You you can do what you want. Awesome. Um, and there's enough meta rotation and stuff like that, or one, there's no one, like you mentioned way earlier, like at the beginning of the format, everyone's playing this deck. Is it, so there's a lot of checks and balances and like with your friends and stuff like that. Yeah, there are. And the nice thing too, is that the format's really healthy now. Like we, we've spent a long time getting it to this point, um, you know, where the points list is very well curated. Um, a lot of testing and a lot of like discussion has gone into figuring out where things should be such that like right now there's no deck that i would that i'm gonna say is like unfair or overpowered there's no deck that you can play that i think that about um at this point now you can play any strategy you want to play and you'll find a way in which to make it work um i would even go as far as to say and some people are going to disagree with me about this but i think you can play any color combination you want to play and you can make that work um just take your pet four color combination and just go for it i've done that a lot uh <laughs> big, and that's, big fan of the nephilim color combinations <laughs> yeah yeah like we were just mentioning that last week with the whole new four color commanders coming out yeah yeah so like why am i not playing this other color but hey i mean if you got points and you want to play it spend them where you want to go for it well, yeah. speaking of decks and deck types, Ian is currently in the process of building his own Highlander deck. So, Ian, why don't you tell us a little bit about your Highlander deck? Sure. So, my Highlander deck is, I would say, probably about eighty to eighty-five percent where I want it to be right now. Yeah, uh, we're gonna put we'll put a link in the thing. I am looking at a Jeskai mid-range deck. Why? Because it's. I saw uh, one of the guys who plays a lot in Victoria, Benjamin Wheeler. Uh, kicking some butt with the Jeskai mid-range deck, which is my list is very highly influenced and almost like a couple card. Dif- I would say maybe like 10 card difference, but that's just due to mm. cost and stuff. But I'm going to, I'm looking at maybe changing a couple things. I have a maybe board. We'll put the link in the, in the description so you can look at yourself, but it's basically the best of the Jeskai cards. Your best, what like the coolest white, uh, you know, uh, some, exile cards and stuff like that like your shorts to plowshares and your path to exiles and you got your burn cards here you're looking at obviously lightning bolt and chain lightning 
it even has flame slash in there. And your blues, you're looking at counter spells like and draw and cantrips to draw cards, your cryptic command, counter spell, the counter spell, mystical tutor, like we mentioned earlier, is in the deck, spell pierce, spell snare, treasure cruise, dig through time. These these insane cards. And you have like your creatures in those color combinations that will provide you tempo. Um, like either get them out quick and hit fast, like Manus Rider, or get some value out of it, like your Snapcaster Mage, or just be an annoying pest, like True Name Nemesis, which is the bane of most vintage play- or legacy players because it's the one blue blue three one. As it enters the battlefield, choose a player. You're playing one on one, so you choose your opponent. That True Name Nemesis has protection from the opposing player. <laughs> it's you, you truly have not known sadness until you've been playing an aggressive deck and your blue opponent plays True Name. And then yeah, because you can, you can go, you can go true name nemesis, and then oops, here comes along my lovely little Stoneforge Mystic, and oops, ah. she just tutored out a sword, and oops, she just tutored out a, a, a batter skull GTA, batter skull GTA, and you're just like, oh, yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> it's I'm a I'm a terrible person. Uh, this is the kind of deck that if I were to build, you know, I'm building it because it's it's value, like it's just a lot of value. It's it's a think, mid-range type deck. What were you saying? Oh, I think that's actually like the most key thing about this deck is that there's no one card that you can draw at any time and be like, wow, this card's terrible unless it's combined with something else. Like every single card in your deck is good. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's top down value. And I wanted to be a little cheeky with it. Um, I built in the Nahiri combo <laughs> from Modern recently that showed up. Nahiri the Harbinger, when she hits her ultimate at minus eight, can tutor up a creature. I can pick any damn creature in my library that I want and put in the battlefield, but of course it's going to be Emrakul. <laughs> so, and the great part about this deck is, oh god, I can't do it. I'm at some point will probably have some draw cards and be able to get my hand large enough, or I'll keep Nahiri, put her to plus ten, so her minus eight doesn't do that. Then I can just minus two her, or plus two her, put Emrakul in the graveyard and then shuffle every all those awesome cards back into my deck, so I have another, you know, go at it. It's there's a great way to like just chain value out of it. And it's why I wanted to play it. It's like, there's a couple things that I didn't have, like, you know, time walk, those expensive cards like that. I don't have any of the exactly. dual lands here. Um, I actually had nine points and was fine. And then they had a point update in April that put me at 11. So I was like, Oh, had to take out my strip mine. <laughs> Cause I had, to, I have a strip mine, but I didn't have a wasteland. So it was one of those like, Oh, is it I the- had, I had, was the dig through time GTA change? Yeah, it was the dig through time GTA change. So dig through time was at zero points, got put to a point, and yep. then GTA was at Umazawa's GTA was at one point, and then got bumped to two. So those two extra points, like I was sitting at nine points because I had a couple extra to spare. Now my deck is sitting at eight points, and I'm just I might try and fit a one or two point card in there, but at this point there's really not a great reason for me to play something i mean i might put a personal tutor which is a one blue sorcery search your deck for a sorcery but my deck is only running eight sorceries so what's the point i'd rather keep the nice chunk of things so i was looking at a maybe board trying to change a couple things up make the deck a little more my own um one of the cards that kind of stood out to me was something like a grand arbiter augustine the fourth so it's a two white and a blue from dissension uh Azorius was Dissension, I believe, yes. Yeah, it's Dissension, yes. It's from Dissension, so it's the original Ravnica block. So it's a 2-3 legendary creature human advisor. White spells you play cost one generic less to play. Blue spells you play cost one generic less to play. Spells your opponents play cost one more to play. If you've been hearing me talk about this deck, it's straight value. That card is insane and straight value. The cards that I'm playing are going to get cheaper. My blue spells, all of a sudden, something like... My war leader's helix becomes a three mana spell instead of a four mana spell. Or My, like... yeah, I know, right? <laughs> mana, mana leak is now a one mana counter spell. Uh, let's see, into the royal is now a one mana card. Dig through time becomes a seven mana spell. Cryptic command is literally just blue, blue, blue. <laughs> oh man, so much, so much to say yeah. there. Primaz <laughs> can become a white, white creature. It's, it's that card I'm thinking about putting in there because the deck is looking to be the tempo or kind of value card you know bounce counter burn play a value creature go for a mid kind of game i was also looking at maybe karanos but he seems a little kind of slow in this swiss beer uh, might hit in there at some point mystic confluence i've heard can be kind of fun that's the three blue blue instant that you choose three of 
three modes, like counter target spell unless it's controller pays three, return target creature to its owner's hand, or draw a card. So I could be like, counter that spell unless you pay three, take that card back to your hand, draw a card. Or I'm just, I have five mana, I'm just going to draw three cards. Yeah. This is a card that I think we, we overvalued in the Highlander community. We thought this was the second coming of Cryptic Command. And it's, it's not quite there, but it's very good. I will say that in my experience playing it in Commander, it is amazing, especially when you cast it for blue-blue. It feels really yeah. good. <laughs> I bet it's very good in that situation. <laughs> yes, and, and so with this deck, so the deck is going to go up there, but land-wise, I know since I had to tweak my land base because I don't have the duels, um, I found something like going to a website that's like the EDH... Um, or the mana base construction kind of decks that are out there. It's like you, you can plug in what color combination you want, and they'll give you every single card in Magic history that's a land that's in that color combination, or can even touch that color. So, for instance, I'm playing nine of the ten fetch lands. The only one I'm not playing is the green-black one. Why? Because there's no green and black in my deck. Every other thing, I'm playing off-color fetches, so I'll have something like... I'm playing Mesa, which is the red-white one, but I'm also playing a Bloodstained Mire, which is a black-red one. Why? Because it can grab mountains. I'm also playing some of the new Battlelands because budget duels. Why not? Shock lands, the dual shock lands from the Ravnica sets. They're going in there too. I play some Temples because Scrying is great. You're a hundred-card deck. It's like maybe you're going to hit a land card on top. You don't need another like your sixth land. Be like, all right, whatever, go to the bottom. Yep. So I will say I will say real quick for people who who aren't quite getting the synergy. You want to run all nine of those fetches that are in your three color identity because, like Ian said, his Bloodstained Mire can get a can go get a mountain, so it can grab any of his mountain dual lands. So his Bloodstained Mire can grab a Steam Vent, it can grab a Sacred Foundry, or once he gets to it, a Plateau or a Volcanic Island, and get the blue mana that he might need. So yeah, basically the theory is for those of you who just recently played Standard when we had fetches with the battle duels and you were playing, you know, like, you know. Dark Jeskai, you're playing four colors just because you have the fetch lands that can touch those other colors, and why not play those colors? But me, I'm sticking with three particular colors because, you know, the more you spread out your color-wise, you're going to dilute what your deck's looking to do. And this is a very tight list. I mean, i got to give major props, like I said, to Ben Wheeler, who most of this deck is his. Um, but I'm trying to put some spin on it, tweak it a little bit, add some stuff to make it my own. And that's one thing you can really do is... You can find desk, deck lists out there. Usually tappedout.net has an actual tag for Highlander. You can look at a lot of the decks out there. I know, Liam, you can probably tell us a good place to look at some decks, but look at decks that are out there and make your own. What was that? <laughs> oh, we have a tapped out page with like 100 plus decks now. Um, so if you're looking for a place, it's just Canadian Highlander. If you search that and find the user, um, it's basically got deck lists from like every weekly tournament for about the last year so tons and yeah. tons tons and tons of lists you will find yeah. one that suits you yeah i hang out in the just i hang out in the i just got the the canadian highlander facebook group and i see all the time people like give us your deck list people come on give us your deck lists <laughs> yeah yeah there's really been a push for that recently about a year ago when i started doing a lot of the media stuff for highlander uh i was doing the monday meta game um and it was like really challenging because people will be like all right like we've got all these names for decks that you've like jotted down as you've walked through the room but like what does that actually mean we had a really hard time uh conveying that sometimes because there's a lot of different variations of specific decks so the improvement in people submitting deck lists has been amazing for helping people understand what's going on in the format and then again you get deck names that end up being just simply as goddamn it surge <laughs> To be fair, the name of that archetype uh, is this is from this is from the main fifth. It is the Gitrock Monster, aka Junk hyphen Midrange hyphen Lands hyphen Reanimator hyphen all one word. Goddamn it, Surge! <laughs> because Sir, like I said, Serge Jaeger, who is one of the other guys, threw this deck together around the new card Gitrock Mon- the Gitrock Monster, and the people who were classifying the decks were like, I don't know what the heck to call this. <laughs> You know, that's usually the case with Surge, I gotta say. Uh, Surge, is, Surge is a rogue builder, for sure. Yep. Well, that, that uh, kind of um, t- leads nicely into our next topic, defi- despite my uh, terrible transitions there, um, is uh, the Gitrog Monster and I are, are, very, are very good friends. Um, <laughs> and I know that if I want to build a Highlander deck, that I probably want to build it around the Gitrog Monster. I've already started building a Commander deck, because that's, that's my primary 100-card format. Um, but we're kind of looking for, 
or I'm kind of looking for what cards I'm going to need to be looking for in order to say that, hey, I'm going to, I have this um, Gitrog deck or this Gitrog uh, Highlander deck. So, so basically, Selim, just for the people out there, John wants to build a Gitrog deck. What should he look for? What kind of, like, should he have an idea? I mean, it doesn't need to be as focused as like a commander deck and people like to build around the commander. Can you just like build, you know, the best of, or should he, or could he look for, you know, a particular, like, all right, what synergizes with Gitrog? Yeah, I think when I'm looking to build a deck and I have one particular card that I really want to put in the deck, um, I always start with what is what is this card good with? So if we look at the Gitrog monster or the Gitfrog monster, if you will, <laughs> um, which is what I called it for about a week and a half before someone corrected me, um, you know, this card obviously synergizes with having like lands that do things because it lets you play an extra land. It really probably wants you to have some kind of way of recurring lands or of having enough that the sacrifice uh, component of it isn't going to be that good or isn't going to be that much of a, a hindrance to you, sorry. And it synergizes with as kind of an engine card, right? Like it wants you to have lands is, is basically the <laughs> the moral of the story here. So, so I've laid um, out a few cards that I have kind of earmarked for this deck, either in between my commander deck or for, or my, uh, my Highlander deck. And you tell me whether these are probably good ideas for Highlander, because I, I don't know much about Highlander. I know a lot about commander, but Highlander is a little bit new to me. So sure. the first card that I had that I had earmarked is uh, another one of my commander decks, which is one of my favorites, which is Titania, Protector of Argoth. So uh, she's a so she's a th- she's a three green green legendary creature elemental five three. When enters when she enters the battlefield, return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Whenever land you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, put a five three green elemental creature token onto the battlefield. Yeah. So that card's great, and the reason it's great is that it works well when you have the Gitrog monster in play. But it's also a good card when you don't. Um, yeah. So, like that—that's the short answer I would give. I would give. There's like a bunch of interesting. It's also really—it's also really fun strip mining your opponent and getting rid of their land and making a five-three at the same time. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, what about this one's a little yeah. bit more of a pet card? What about Realms Uncharted? It's basically gifts ungiven for lands. <laughs> yeah, that card's very good. Um, as long as you're going to play the lands that support playing Realms Uncharted, because obviously Realms Uncharteding for Swamp, Forest, Island, Mountain, not good. No, but not good. if you're going to be Realms Uncharteding for Dark Depths, Thespian Stage, Maze of Ith, Caracas, <laughs> go for it. That sounds great. Um, um, no, go for it. We'll, we'll have a base of this list, by the way, going up in yeah, the we show have, notes we'll, as well. Yeah, we'll have Surge's deck list, because his is... His is a little bit more ambitious than mine. I don't think I want to go three-color. He went three-color. Um, here's well, a new card you. that I would love to hear your opinion on, Liam. Um, Traverse the Uvenwald. Love it. Love uh, it? I think, yeah, I think that card's very good. Um, it lets you find your gear Gitrog monster, which is great, but also just like serves as mana fixing early in the game, can help you at land drops. It's amazing how many times Demonic Tutor players cast Demonic Tutor for Swamp. Yeah. Happens a lot. <laughs> a card that I'm that I'm surprised isn't pointed, Green Sun Zenith. Uh, has been pointed before. Certainly very good in a deck like this. Um, yeah, would 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 certainly include really versatile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A card that is pointed, Summoner's Pact. Um, this one I'm less sure of because I'm not sure how unfair your deck is. Well, what uh, if I told you that I'm going to be playing the Malira combo? Yep. Then it gets a lot better. <laughs> um, you know, you then, you monster. <laughs> Uh, then I would say certainly, yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the thing with Summoner's Pact is you want to shy away from using it in fair decks because the four mana cost on a creature tutor is actually just more than you would pay for, say, a card like Eladonri's Call, right. um, which also tutors for a creature. Obviously, it, it puts you into a second color, but it's now, cheaper. Now, Liam, I'm going to ask you this question. Have you heard of the Gitrog combo? Uh, I have not. Okay, so so let me open your eyes real quick. The, the Gitrog combo that I'm talking about is... The combination of Gitrog Monster, Dakmore Salvage, which is a land that you should probably put in a Gitrog deck anyways, right? The Dredging Land. The Dredge Land, yeah. And then you play Scourge Familiar. Well, I don't know this card. <laughs> it is a common from it's a common or uncommon from Tempest. It's okay. four in a black for a three two flyer. And it says discard a card, add a black mana to your mana pool. Alright. And then you play an Eldrazi Titan. Or Gaia's Blessing. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I've just outlined an infinite mana engine that you can use because once you flip your Gaia's Blessing or you flip your Eldrazi Titan, you just shuffle your library back together after you've dredged up your um, Dykemore Salvage. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just go yeah. wild. Yeah. So, so one, of the one of the payloads that I have included in the deck right now is Exsanguinate. Uh-huh. What's that do? It's BBX. Each opponent loses X life and you gain X life. So if you're generating infinite combo or infinite mana, there you go. Yeah. So. Yep. That's a reasonable for sure. <laughs> and then I'm also thinking of putting like a G wave in there and, you know, fun, other fun X spells in those colors. Yep. And again, the important thing is you want to play cards that are useful outside the combo as much as possible. Like sometimes you just can't, right? Like, uh, cards like Petals of Insight that we play with Omniscience to go infinite. Yeah. Like, those just aren't going to be that great. But as much as possible, you want the card to do something outside of the combo. But all the ones you've outlined are fine. Scourge Familiar is certainly the most marginal. But, but it's just so funny being able to discard a card and make infinite mana. <laughs> well, and a 3-2 flyer for, fo for 5 is not good, but it's amazing how relevant it might be. You might well win a game on the beatdown plan with your flying creature. You know, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's the, the, the main win condition. I'm just saying that that's a cute little interaction that I found that I was just like, this is or, sweet. Or you could also stop somebody from beating you in the air. Like, he yeah. buys you that one extra yeah. turn. Exactly, exactly. No, all, all those cards seem like reasonable ones to include in the Highlander deck. All right. Well, that's kind of where I've started. And again, we'll put a link to Surge's deck list uh, because yeah. it is definitely a piece of art. Yeah, it oh, is. Uh, it is an interesting one. <laughs> so that so if, kind of. So, oh, so yeah. So if you, I was going to say. So we we can wrap it up a little bit. But so just tell us, Liam. Like why? Like in a few words, what is the biggest draw to you of why Highlander is so awesome? Like why is it yeah. like? Why do you want to be like this evangel for the format? So the thing for me is that I really like deck building. Deck deck building is my thing, and it's not something we've talked about a lot of this podcast because we've been overviewing a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, deck, deck building is the best thing that I've like encountered in Magic. It's what I like. Magic is my creative outlet for that reason. And Highlander provides this deck building puzzle unlike any other. Um, you know, there is no other format like Canadian Highlander in the sense that, you know, you could build a thousand decks and all of them would have reasonably similar viability. You know, uh, obviously there's some variance there, but that's really amazing to me. So I love that aspect of it. I love how interesting the games are. Um, and I think the big thing is that I really love how it's taking magic out of uh, the sort of formats that have already been established and making people think really a lot more deeply about magic than they might otherwise, because it's forcing you to think in one ofs instead of four ofs, which I think is very interesting. And yeah. also with the points list, too. So you're like, oh, I yeah. can't just jam all these good cards. Like, yeah. for me, I had, like I said, I had to drop a uh, a, a card that I just kind of threw. And it's like, oh, I had this extra points. I'll just throw this, you know, strip mine in here. But it's like, oh, wait, points change. I have to change my deck. I know that one of my big itches that I like to itch with 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 Commander that Highlander also kind of fills that niche is you're like what do I need to do in order to make this viable or what are what are my flex spots so to speak and I know that Highlander is a very dynamic format based on what you said and like just in in the modern meta game or the Monday meta game that I have pulled up here you had 33 players with 30 different archetypes so yep, that, it is wide open yeah. yeah absolutely all right so let's go ahead and kind of uh, bring it back. We've been at this for an hour, and I know that we could probably keep Liam for another two hours if we needed to. Um, so, real quick, Liam, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter in two different places. Um, at, at Can Highlander is the Canadian Highlander page that I, I, like. I'm going to be the one that answers you if you if you tweet at that, or if you want to follow me specifically and see me tweet about other things, um, you can follow me at at LG Coughlin. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitch, uh, my Twitch is Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Highlander, the same as the as the Twitter. Um, I would really encourage you to go check out our website, which is just CanadianHighlander.wordpress.com. Um, check out our tapped out, which is the same username, just Canadian Highlander. Um, and besides that, please check out the Canadian Highlander podcast. If you have more questions about the format, uh, odds are there's a podcast that will answer that question you have. Yeah, there are a few questions that we wanted to get to, but I mean... You, I would think you'd rather hear it from the horse's mouth than than through us. Well, but <laughs> the horse's mouth, in some instances, is still me. I'm also <laughs> on the podcast, but yes. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Ian, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ, and you can find me on Twitch at Dix. So it's twitch.tv slash Dix, D-I-X. And John, how about you? Yeah, you all can find me on Twitter at JWiley129. You can also find me uh, on Twitch by the same handle. Um, we've been do- getting Eternal Master spoilers that I've been tweeting and retweeting because this set looks awesome. I can't wait to play with it, to draft it. I got my box. Do you guys have your boxes pre-ordered? Uh, I have law school to pay for in the fall, so we'll see. <laughs> that is a big. I... That is a big important thing. Yeah, I've got mine reserved. Also, don't forget to follow the podcast at Eyes on the Mize. And if you have any other questions, you can email us at eyesonthemize at gmail.com. Liam, my man, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening thank to you hang so out with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was really great to talk, to talk to people about Highlander. I love doing it. Awesome. Again. Awesome. Thanks, Liam. Uh, please remember to leave us a review. We will give you guys shout-outs if you leave us reviews at the top of the show. Didn't get any this week, but leave some next week, and we will definitely give you guys a shout-out. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, John here. Just wanted to give another quick shout-out to Marshall Sutcliffe's article from last week on Wednesday where he talked about Canadian Highlander. There will also be a link to it in the show notes below. Sorry for this little late add-on, but we'll see you guys next week.